The following talk was given at Mile High Church in Lakewood, Colorado. Please visit our website at milehighchurch.org. So, does this sound familiar to any of you? Have you ever had this experience? It's the experience of having a beautiful morning at home, maybe a lovely breakfast, a quiet morning, a morning filled with spiritual practice, and you just feel centered and ready for the day, and, and as you walk out the door, your energy feels great, and you feel high, not, not that kind of high we have in Colorado, but the, you know, the high on life kind of high, the natural sense of, here we go, and then get into the car and drive where you're going, just feeling great, and someone cuts you off, great feeling gone. Or in that same feeling and, uh, and, and someone calls on the phone with a problem to solve uh, and great feeling gone. Or calls and is upset with you, great feeling gone. Or you turn on the news or you turn on the radio and hear about something that's going on in the world, great feeling gone, just like that. How did that happen? Anybody else? Please tell me I'm not the only one in the room that's happened to, right? Yes. So what is that about? What is that feeling? And so I I have tried to solve that feeling over the years with a number of solutions uh, founded in the world of effects. I have attempted to walk to work instead of drive so I don't have to encounter bad drivers. I have attempted to keep the news off and not listen to the radio. I've attempted to ignore the phone when it rings at times. I've attempted not to talk to anyone ever so so I can maintain that feeling. But I've noticed that I eventually end up having to encounter the world in some way, shape, or form. And therefore, that possibility of that moment of greatness being infringed upon by the world of effects or other people is a constant dance. I also admit that over the years, I have experienced this less frequently than I had in years past. I find that I am more able, more often now, to experience that practice in the morning and walk out into my day and remain generally centered and calm even though the experiences around me in the world of form may become tumultuous. And I've really looked at that and asked myself, why is it? What's happened in me that I don't get caught up as frequently as I used to? In the past, I felt like I was constantly being pushed around by the world of effects. And now I feel a greater centeredness. So as I've examined this, I've discovered a a few key things about my personal life. I think, first of all, that ability to be chill or cool in the midst of challenge comes with age, comes with growing a little bit older and wiser, and being able to look back on the the span of my life and see that over the years I have met with challenge and challenge and challenge and I'm still here. I'm still here doing my thing, right? Yeah, and I made it through uh, the challenges that at times in my younger days I thought, 
my life is over. It's all ruined or I'm not going to make it through this. And somehow I survived. And so that wisdom is there that says to me, okay, if I survive that, I can probably get through this. Wisdom. Then I've also noticed that this teaching, Signs of Mind and Spirit, has at the core of it so many tools and opportunities for healing and, and uh, a discovery of the meaning of things and, and forgiveness and connectedness with the universe that these teachings have given me tools that I can use in my life to help me manage the conditions that show up in my life. And so that's important. I also feel very strongly that, that the company we keep often helps us to, contr- to contribute to our own energy in powerful and profound ways. And so I have been a churchgoer for many years, and I still go to church, even on the Sundays or the Wednesdays when I'm not technically working. I come to this church to listen to my colleagues, my amazing, talented, wise colleagues speak, and to be in this space of beloved community because I know that it's a healing balm for my soul to be in circles where healing and positivity and joy are occurring. And so these three things have have helped me tremendously as well as many other things. And what I've realized as I've looked back on this is that it it feels as though I have a spiritual immune system that has been grown stronger over the years. And indeed, that is the theme for the next two Sundays, today and next week, that we're going to be looking at, building your spiritual immune system. The opportunity to recognize that when we build an immune system within our essence, our soul, our spiritual awareness, that we can continue to walk through even tumultuous experiences centered and intact and connected. It's not a a, a state of denial. It's that I can encounter negative experiences by having compassion for myself or the situation often, having wisdom expressed, or sometimes can move through life and not even notice the challenges because I'm so attuned to the light and the love and the joy. And so today we are starting this series by talking about the inoculating your consciousness, the opportunity to inoculate our consciousness in a way that is akin to how some people use inoculation. Now I want to go on record saying right away that this is in no way a support or denial of anyone's faith or lack thereof about vaccinations. I'm... I'm not here to get into that debate. I'm not representing Mile High Church and saying that we support it or we deny it. I'm using the, the intentionality with which the medical world has brought forth the concept of inoculations as a metaphor. Okay? <laughs> And so, if we want to use this this metaphor, what I discovered as I did some research online about the immune system and the purpose and intention of inoculation in its idyllic notion, 
they, they claim that when foreign invaders such as bacteria or viruses enter the body, the physical body, immune cells called lymphocytes respond producing antibodies which are protein molecules. These antibodies fight the invader known as an antigen and protect against further infection. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, a healthy individual can produce millions of antibodies a day, fighting infection so efficiently that people never even know they were exposed to an antigen. So the physical body has this ability, when our physical immune system is strong, you and I can walk around in public environments and experience germies or viruses that that our body takes in and our immune system deals with it and we remain healthy and strong. We may never even know that that flu virus flew into our system. And a lot of the experts in the world of, of the medical world say we have cancer cells that go through our bodies constantly, but our immune system knows how to deal with even the most challenging virus, bacteria, or cell that might find its way into our physical body. The notion of vaccines was developed because they, they said here, vaccines are like a training course for the immune system. They prepare the body to fight disease without exposing it to disease symptoms. So as I contemplated the notion of inoculating the physical body and inoculating my consciousness, I began to wonder as I walk through my world and daily I find negative experiences like viruses, negative conversations, negative things going on in the world, I can find myself getting caught up in that negativity and feeling afraid, feeling anxious, feeling frustrated by what I encounter. But when my spiritual immune system is strong, it feels like something else clicks in. And suddenly I am either immune to or my response is of love and faith in those moments. And it depends on where I am. It doesn't depend on the situation. One of the first times that I really saw this so clearly was many years ago. It must be over 20 years ago because my son, who's now 20, wasn't even born. I was married to his father, whose name is Brad. And Brad and I had attended the candlelight Christmas Eve service at my church in Arizona. As the senior minister there, of course, I was very involved in the service on the stage, speaking a lot of the words for the service and and conducting the service, and Brad was sitting in the congregation enjoying the service. When we were done that night, Brad was just over the moon touched by the service. The music had touched his soul, and he was going on and on about what a beautiful Christmas Eve it was, and he was just happy, happy, joy, joy, happy, happy, joy, joy. I had had a different experience of that service. As the minister, a number of people missed cues, a number of logistics were very challenging. I was frustrated with how the service had actually come off and it hadn't felt right, and I was grumpy, grumpy, grumpy. And so we got into our car, and he was driving, and we were headed to my mother and my stepfather's house for Christmas Eve dinner. My mother and stepfather are here today, Linda and Richard and our good friend Don. so welcome to them. Hello. <laughs> 
we drove and Brad was ah, so happy. He must have made some mistake or cut somebody off. I don't know. The next thing I know, I look over and the, a driver is going past us and he's, he's doing a very certain gesture that, recre- <laughs> that indicates that they're angry. And I said, oh my gosh. And Brad's like, what? Ah, Just going along. And I was so frustrated. That person gave you the middle finger and it's Christmas Eve. That's so horrible. How rude. And I was just so angry. Brad didn't see it. Brad didn't experience it. Brad didn't even care. that Even though I told him it happened, he didn't care. He was happy, happy, joy, joy. <laughs> and I reflected on that over the years and thought, here we are, two people in the same car, having had a similar experience in the world of form, but having two very different reactions to it. And because of that, as he drove along, he only saw the beauty of the night. And because I was in this negative space, I only saw the person get angry with us. And I I realized how akin that is to our lives. That, That even the world of brain science that I love, I love studying how our brains work, tell us that there is a system in our brain called the reticular activation system. That system is almost like a search engine. If you and I go onto the computer and we put the word sunset in, the search engine goes out and brings forth sunsets. And we have an activating system in our brains that will constantly show us what we expect to see or show us a reflection of what we are putting out into the world. But when we learn to inoculate our consciousness, when we learn to work with our mind and our emotions, our thoughts, our awareness, in such a way that we begin to more habitually attune to the good in life, to the the wonderful energies of life, we begin to experience more and more that not only our consciousness, but literally our brains are only attuned to seeing solutions, possibilities, love and joy. Our founder, Ernest Holmes, would say to us, that our consciousness at the core, what, is, what the, the antibodies of consciousness might be, would be the God qualities. He felt that there were qualities that are synonymous with God. And he would constantly call us to focus in on them. In other words, as traditions have said over the years, God is love. Love is a quality of God. God is wholeness. Peace, abundance, harmony, health, light. These God qualities represent the antibodies that are the truth of who we really are. But what begins to happen in our spiritual immune system is that as we walk through life, we can, to some degree or another, lose conscious awareness of these antibodies. 
And it requires us to go into our lives in a powerful way and reconnect with our consciousness in order to remind ourselves of these antibodies. And I would say to inoculate our consciousness so that those antibodies of love and peace and joy and all that good are firing off. Now, what is consciousness? Let's just briefly define what I mean when I say consciousness. I mean the entire seat of our awareness that has been in place since the beginning of our life. Our mind is like a recorder that constantly records every moment of our experience. Not only what we're thinking at the time, it records how we're feeling, And it records every decision that we've made based on what we think and feel. What we know about the seat of consciousness in terms of the human brain is that about 10% of that is what we would call surface mind or conscious awareness. Whereas the other 85 to 90% is below the surface in deeper mind or in the subconscious mind. That for the efficiency of the human brain in its current capacity, we don't remember every single moment that ever occurred. But it doesn't mean that we don't have moments then where we encounter something or someone and that deeper mind gets triggered and thoughts or emotions or awareness from the past rises up to meet us and greet us. And it doesn't matter whether we use the conscious mind or the unconscious deeper mind, it is all a part of what is creating our reality. As the ancient teachers and teachings throughout the ages have told us that our beliefs impact our experience, they're not just talking about the beliefs you and I know in the, in the conscious mind. That would be so simple and easy, wouldn't it? Yeah, if it was just what I know that I know that I know, oh, life would be so much simpler. But it's not. It's also what I don't remember that I know at the deeper part of my mind. And sometimes in this teaching, we want to come in and just work with the 10 or 15%, which is a great place to start. But when we really start to experience profound change, that happens when we begin to take a deeper look at what is living way down below the surface and begin to have the spiritual courage and fortitude to uncover and heal and even work with that stuff. And therein is my suggestion that we can begin to inoculate our consciousness. We can begin to work with the deeper consciousness that resides in our beingness, in our life, and begin to activate the antibodies of our consciousness that are love and light, such that we encounter an experience and what rises forth in us instead of anger, fear, and resistance is love and curiosity. But that only happens when we become proactive in doing this inoculation work. So what might that contain? How do I get about doing that? As I said earlier, I think it comes with wisdom. It comes with uh, practicing uh, this teaching very profoundly. And it comes with being in environments where the presence of other beings are uplifting us 
That's one thing that I think I love about church is that we're all lifting each other up in this environment. We all are contributing to the health and well-being of each other as we're here together. And there are some things that I'd like to suggest today that we can consider when it comes to inoculating our consciousness. And I also want to stress that each one of us may have a pathway for ourselves that we know works for us. For some of us, that daily walk and communing with nature is a way that we, we inoculate our consciousness. For others of us, it's that, that cup of coffee with a, a good book. Some of us, it's having a conversation with a child or interacting with our baby or interacting with our spouse or partner. There's lots of ways to help us to, to build up and strengthen our consciousness And there's also ways to heal it. But today what I'd like to focus on are three ways that that I suggest that we could consciously begin to experience a stronger spiritual immune system. The first one has to do with what I think the last song the girls sang is all about, unwritten. It has to do with creativity, Creativity. Now, I'm not talking, before you shut down on me, I'm not talking about drawing and painting and arts and crafts. That's not what I'm saying. I am suggesting that creativity has to do with the willingness to encounter what we think and creatively take our thoughts out of the boxes of consciousness that we've been living in. And this requires us to step out of comfort zones at times, to step out of the boxes of thought that we've had, to invite ourselves into a new thought. This teaching, Science of Mind and Spirit, is part of the new thought movement because it's all about the willingness to entertain a new thought the willingness to think something different, to be creative. And that's a huge part of how people begin to heal the deeper mind, to feel the rising forth of some negative energy or awareness and become curious enough to step aside and say, now what is this about? This is one of the greatest gifts this teaching has given me personally, the ability to watch myself thinking. Now what? What, what, what am I thinking there? What, I don't, I don't want to feel that way. That's not how I want to think about another human being. That's not how I want to operate. I need to consider a different thought. And so when we begin to do that, we find that we can shift our awareness powerfully and magnificently. Joseph Chilton Pierce says, to, to live a creative life, we must lose our fear of being wrong. We must lose our fear of being wrong. And what happens is so clear from the science of the brain. When a thought arises, it's the repetitive pattern of the synapses firing off in the habitual way that they fire off. I've noticed that when certain people come into my presence, I have habitual thoughts, sometimes good and happy thoughts, and sometimes not so good and happy thoughts, right? It's not that that's the truth about that person, it's just that my habitual thoughts fire off. The willingness to just step aside even a little bit and say, now what's that about? Why do I persist in believing that about this person? 
literally fires off a whole new pathway, a whole new synapse in our brain, such that something can open up in us to see things differently. And so being creative is all about the willingness to have a new thought, the courage to have a new thought, to have a new idea, to allow ourselves to vaccinate our mind with a new thought, literally, and to use the power of our mind. Creativity, very powerful. The next one is trusting the synchronicity. I love that first song that the girl sang right before the reading about trusting in the divine. Trusting, trusting. And I said earlier that a part of what has created a greater calm in me is that I have watched my life unfold in ways that I couldn't have imagined at the time I was encountering the negative conditions or situations. And yet learning to have faith that everything is working out is a huge, powerful spiritual practice. For those of you who've seen me repetitively, you might notice I often wear this necklace. And one of the reasons I wear this necklace is that on the inside of the necklace, there are some words etched. They say, all is well. Enjoy and trust that everything is okay. And I wear this necklace to remind myself that I trust in the synchronicity of life. That as I look back with hindsight and can see how I was able to meet challenges in certain situations, that I can begin to have the same kind of trust as I project myself through the future, even if it's walking through a challenge I'm facing right now. This is called hindsight. I'm calling this faith sight. To have faith sight. I don't know how we're going to get through this but we're going to. We'll figure it out. I don't know how we're going to walk forward, but life can show us the way. There's wisdom in me. There's wisdom in the people that I share this life with. There's wisdom everywhere. I can have trust in the synchronicity. On Friday, my husband Ken and I were watching a a show on Netflix. It's called uh, One Strange Rock. It's hosted by Will Smith. And we were on the verge of of binge-watching it very voraciously, and we luckily had to go do something else that broke it up. But it was an amazing show about how the earth has become what it is today, the, the latest science on how it's formed and how the moon became the moon. And it dives deep into the ocean and talks about certain insects and talks about certain things that happened. And in and through the show, there was so much, not only amazing nature, but such synchronicity that that this earth in our solar system is inhabitable for you and me, synchronicity. When we were done watching it, I said to Ken, wow, it's as if some intelligence might actually be a play here. (laughs) Something was thinking this through really well synchronicity. It doesn't feel like a happy accident. It feels like something that intentionally has occurred. And so as I have faith and trust in that in my life, that I think inoculates my consciousness. And lastly, 
It's to place my faith in something bigger than the problems that I see. I think some of us have suffered for days, weeks, months, or years, believing that the problems we face individually or collectively are bigger than the God that created this all. And that's a lie. That is just simply not true. There is something bigger and greater afoot in you, in me, in this life that we share. And it's God, source, infinite intelligence, by whatever name we want to call it, when we begin to remind ourselves on a daily basis through our spiritual practice or through the experience of awe that we can have everywhere we look, if we choose to, we begin to understand there's something greater afoot here. And I'm going to place my faith in it. I'm going to end with a quote from our founder, Ernest Holmes, who talks about this. In Living the Science of Mind, Ernest tells us the quickest and most effective method to get rid of fear is to get quiet and lift up the whole thought in confidence and faith to something bigger than we are. It's like going from a cold, dark room into the sunshine and just sitting there, letting the rays of the sun penetrate the whole being with warmth and color until the darkness and the dampness are gone. This week, I'm inviting us to consciously practice inoculating our consciousness, finding ways, whether it's these ways that I have suggested or other ways that you know, to habitually take time to allow the energy of the truth of who we are to have its way with us. And next week, we will conclude our series by looking at when your consciousness gets the flu. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Mile High Church podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. If you'd like to make a donation, text 720-230-1404 or visit us at milehighchurch.org.